iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Matt Rausch of TV Guide, and tonight's guest, Matt Bomer. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. This is really overwhelming. Wow. It's been a really interesting season for your character. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen Neil, I mean, uh, Peter that mad at Neil before. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, it was interesting because so much of Neil's struggle the first two seasons were sort of these external conflicts. You know, I, I got to find Kate and then I had to avenge your death. And this season has really been uh, more of an internalized uh, conflict that he has, which is do I stay or do I go? And it's obviously led him down some interesting pathways and um, brought a great deal of drama into everyone's life, including his. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much feedback you get, but a lot of people who are emailing me, going to the Q&A that I do online and all this, or all through the season have been going, I don't like Neil keeping that kind of secret from Peter. It was like, this is a really, really serious breach of protocol here. And yeah. it's sort of like, he's almost a bad guy again. And they didn't yeah. like that because they don't like him being a bad guy. Did you feel that tension as, as well going I on? Mean, I'm always willing to go down whatever paths that Jeff Easton wants us to go down. And, and you know, when he had mentioned some of the, the directions we were going to take this season, I definitely thought, wow, this could... We're going down some darker alleys, and uh, but I think that's fun. I, I like keeping the audience on their toes, and uh, one of the things that really appealed to me about this character from the first time I read the script, and one of the reasons I really, really wanted to get this role, is that I like the idea of having one of the leads of your show be someone who you could never really trust, who you never knew what he was going to do next, and if it was going to be good or bad. And I hope that I hope that that struggle is still alive, you know, whenever we wrap things up. But that struggle is extremely acute this season yeah. right? because now, well, for the first half, he saw the, the escape route with this treasure that he was sitting on and not telling yeah. anybody. So through all of that, clearly he was playing yeah, with but the idea. We had that great episode where I talked to Peter on the phone when I broke it into his house. <laughs> you know, which is what you do with your friends. You know, right? Sometimes you need to go into their master bedroom and you need to get into their safe and you need to know what's up. <laughs> it's just what friends do. But... um. I, uh, there's that moment we had that phone call and you know it, I think they've done a good job of balancing it because I remember after the first seven episodes I called uh, Jeff East and I said Jeff everyone is going to hate Neil this season <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about it and he was like well just give me some time and he did a really good job of I feel like kind of balancing out um, the two sides of things so because Neil could have run with Moss at the beginning and he didn't um, and I, I do think that he's really starting to see you know, I hope he never just jumps across, you know, the moral spectrum and is all of a sudden, you know, like helping out the Boy Scouts or something like that. But <laughs> kids, this is how you pick locks. It's a new merit badge. Um, but, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, he is starting to see Peter is the one relationship in his life that is solid. It's rock solid. Um, even Mozzie, you know, there are things that are up and down, you know, business things taken to the side could take him away. Obviously, this treasure has come between them. Uh, Peter's the one person where Neil kind of knows, I mean, just depending on how angry he gets, what he's going to get from. And uh, so, I don't know. I, I think he's starting to also realize, wow, my particular skill set is actually kind of rewarding. It can help people as well. 
Well, he's clearly torn between two lives, but there's also a sense in the show that he's torn between two bromances, too, because he's got, <laughs> he's got, he's got Peter and he has Mozzie. Which have... will I choose? <laughs> uh, I'm plucking the petals off a flower. Um, yeah, no, he definitely has that. I mean, you know, I, and that, that, I think Jeff did a really, really good job um, for two reasons. I mean, with, with Neil and Peter, um, they're very complementary of each other. I mean, they're very complementary to each other's. The skill set they bring is complementary to the others, even as different as it may be. And as much as Neil finds difference with Peter or whatever, he also admires the life he has. He, he respects the sort of white picket fence existence, and I, I think even envies it on a certain level because he doesn't think he can ever have it legitimately. Well, I mean, he, really he could have a fake to... version of it on a private <laughs> <Yeah>. island, <laughs> but it's not the same. And then I think Peter also kind of admires and respects Neil's sort of devil-may-care um, you know, operate outside the lines, color outside the lines and, you know, then he did such a great job. Mozzie, first of all, Willie Garson's so funny and fantastic and, uh, you know, he's such a great character because he's that part of Neil that's always drawing him and keeping him in touch with the underworld. Well, do you see a scenario ever where it'd be like the Three Musketeers where it's Peter, Neil, and, you know, or, or Mozzie, <laughs> Neil in the suit, you know? We- <laughs> awesome. Uh, we have had a couple of those things, you know, like when Mozzie would run, wander into the office, or he certainly becomes very helpful. Um, I hope I'm not giving too much away, but he's, he's integral to us getting uh, Elizabeth back, because he's obviously knows where the ransom is, knows how to deal with Keller, and he really has to, and he cares. I think they did a great job establishing his relationship with Tiffany, because he cares about her, and he wants to see her. He knows uh, what the right thing is at the end of the day. Well, another theme sort of sort of, yeah. Okay. Well, well you know, but maybe I, not really. Okay. Well, 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 the reason I, well, the reason I think about these two worlds blurring a bit is because of where this season is leading to the idea. Yeah. The notion of actual freedom is beginning to present itself to Neil as well before yeah. these episodes are out. So this idea: can you still live in both worlds if you don't have that ankle anklet on? Yeah. Well, there's this great. There's another cliffhanger that happens at the end of this episode that really revolves around. Well, what is Neil's freedom really going to be if he stays with the FBI? What does the future really hold for him? And those questions are really answered in the next six episodes. Like, you know, what, what, what is the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario for him? And, you know, Jeff, Jeff Easton does a great job of writing on theme. You know, so he presents a struggle for his protagonist, Tim, uh, Tim and myself. And um, he writes on that theme all season long. And this season it was really, do I stay or do I go? And so, obviously, um, the uh, season finale will will bring closure to that, that question that we raised at the beginning of the season. Yeah, well, it's been a good season so far. And, and in these episodes that are to come, there's something particularly special about the third episode because it's a bit of a reunion for you of one of your old buddies. So if you could, <laughs> if you could talk about that a little bit. It takes you all the way back to Carnegie Mellon, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Manganiello. I don't know if you guys watch True Blood. or Alcide. watch True Blood. Alcide from True Blood. We uh, went to college together. He was actually the first person... Um, the first Thanksgiving I ever spent away from home was at Joe's house. Um, I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Um, no, he's, uh, he's an amazing guy. We've been friends for a really long time, and, and we've had a couple of different employment opportunities together this year, and it was so great. The producers just came... <laughs> I know. I know. I know. But uh, the producers came to me and said, hey, do you think Joe will do an episode of the show? And I said, uh, I really hope so. Let's call him. I mean... He is Alcide now. Maybe he won't. I don't know. 
And thankfully, he said yes. And we had this great sort of uh, rear window. You know the Alfred Hitchcock movie, Rear Window? It's sort of inspired by that. It's kind of um, uh, some new, highly suspect neighbors move in ne- down the street from the Burks. And uh, the suspicions are raised. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out how to not give anything away right now yeah. um, as I speak. But suspicions are raised, and it turns into this whole kind of rear window situation. And he did a really, really great job. And Andrew McCarthy directed the episode. So Whoa. it was just, you know, doubly surreal and classic. Now, did you guys perform in college together? We did. Okay. We did a play. I, I'll never forget one of my first impressions of Joe um, was, you know, obviously he's like 6'5". I, he's very good-looking guy. He could have just sat back and rested on his laurels and, you know, gotten by on that if he wanted to. Um, but I remember the first play we did was a play called Lighty Breeze um, by John Guare, which is a very complicated play, hard to describe. But um, it takes place, I think, in the early 1900s. And um, we played the same role, just in different acts of the show. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard play to understand, too. It is a hard yeah, play to yeah. understand. There's a lot going on, but both of our, our characters, and this is just, I think, highly relevant to talk about at the Apple Store, are <laughs> suffering from the effects of syphilis. <laughs> um, didn't think we were going there, did you, Matt? Um, but, uh, yeah, so, and obviously pre-antibiotics, and... Um, so, you know, there were a lot of different things. You know, I sort of affected them all when I was playing my part. Joe had, like, a crown on his tooth or something. Dude, like, got a stale loaf of bread, bit into it, pulled out his crown, shaved his head. I was like, who are you? And what kind of method actor are you at Carnegie Mellon? <laughs> Only, like, ten people are seeing this. But um, I so respected him for that, and it left a kind of indelible impression with me. Okay, well... He- you got him on your show. Is he trying to get you on True Blood? We talked about it. I, listen, man, I would be down to play a one-off, like, naked vampire. Oh. Bring it on. Yeah. Come on, Alan Ball. <laughs> Bring it. Cool, cool. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Or should I be a werewolf? Werewolf. Werewolf. All right. Werewolf. <laughs> Well, there'll be wolf whistles this summer because you also collaborated on a movie. Uh, we did. So people know about that coming, Magic Mike. Yeah. So how terrifying was that movie? Um, it was really terrifying. Uh, I think, but I think, you know, one of my, especially now that I, I have this great blessing of getting to work on a show that I love and a character that I love, and then in the hiatus getting to sort of figure out something fun to get to do, I think one of my major navigational tools is, can I curse in this? Can I? Alright. Does this scare the shit out of me? And if the answer is yes, I think my I think my requirements are does it scare the shit out of me? Will it embarrass my parents? And will it take me out of my comfort zone? And if the, yes is the answer to all three of those, I'm in, dude. And um, so anyway, you know, we got the job. Obviously I I I'm dying, I've been dying to work with Steven Soderbergh for years. He's one of my favorite directors. And I'd really only play an exotic dancer for uh, two different directors, and he's definitely one of them. And, um, Who would your other director be? I think the other one would be Alexander Payne if it were a really dark comedy. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe the Farrelly Brothers if it were like mm-hmm. just a straight-up comedy. Cool, cool. This was neither of those, though. But, you know, so you're not going to have an exotic stripper. Well, hey. Who knows? If this catches on... There could I still be, got a couple years left. Yeah, Magic Mike 2, you never know. Magic Mike 2, the Fairly Brothers take over. Um, no, it's, it, but yeah, it definitely scared me. I mean, uh, only because of, 
But it didn't, I had dinner with Steven before we started, and he said, he said, just jump off the cliff, and I'll catch you. And when you have a filmmaker of that caliber giving you that vote of confidence, I was like, all right, I'm just going to commit 150% from here and see what happens. It's a pretty incredible ensemble, too. It's, we had a great, great group of guys. Um, Channing Tatum, Matthew McConaughey, uh, Alex Pettifer, Joe, Adam Rodriguez from CSI Miami, um, a dog. Um, No, but we had a great time together, you know, and there is something about, you know, Channing was so cool and supportive from the get-go, and this is a a project that he'd kind of godfathered, and he, because he was so accessible and cool and and supportive of everybody, it made it just a really, really fun experience, and uh, we, uh, we just... It was the tightest ensemble I've ever gotten to work with. I think I, I always say this, and I hope it's not. I guess it, I hope it doesn't get old. But if you put a bunch of dudes in thongs, like <laughs> it's just like instant band of brothers. Like you will be friends for life. I will have their back for the rest of my life. Because I think that's also part of you know the job of being a stripper is that you know it, it's not a job that's widely accepted by the populace, especially the male populace. I wouldn't imagine and. So it is sort of an us-against-the-world type mentality. Should we expect Dancing with the Stars to call, start calling? No. <laughs> Please, no. Yeah. No. There's, there's a limit. All respect to them, but there, no. There's a limit, no, right? No, there's a limit, yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, well, you talk about working with Steven Soderbergh as a director. You worked with another director in these last episodes of White Collar, who you hadn't done before, which is Tim Decay. Yes. So, uh, and I cannot sing his praises highly enough. Um, he was so prepared. You know, I think your concern is always when, after, after a show lasts a little while, everybody comes out of the woodwork, and like suddenly the editor's Grant Aunt Edna from, you know, Milwaukee wants to direct an episode. And the fear you always have is, oh, no, are they going to lean on the DP, or what, am I going to have even more work to do? And I'd, I'd been watching Tim kind of since the end of the second season really start paying attention and, Asked the DP a lot of questions like, well, what's the axis here? And which is, you know, camera speak that's probably really boring, but he, he really did his homework, is what I'm trying to say. And he was so. The other thing I look out for, especially in a TV director, is um, sort of grace under fire. And he was so unruffled and so relaxed and took everything in stride and was so kind and gracious and considerate. And it was just this great synchronistic turn of events that happened where the writers didn't even know that he was a huge fan of baseball and the episode that he ended up directing was all about baseball and we ended up being the first production ever to get to shoot in the new Yankee Stadium which is a huge deal Um, and is our biggest guest spot we have in the next six episodes (laughs) but he you know so many great things came together just really fortuitously and it was just to me it was just a sign of like this guy was just meant to be at this place right now. So, well, did it inspire you at all? Do you or do you rather stay on the other side of the camera for after that? Aunt Edna gets her turn? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to try to get my foot in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it would be fun. I, I think maybe next season. Uh, I got, we have a very busy season coming up this year and some other stuff going on. So I think it, it would be really, really ambitious of me to try to do all that this season. But next season would be great. The TV really is punishing. I mean, it really that, those shows really move fast when they when they shoot. So I mean, you know, it would, yeah. it would be a lot for you. You'd probably did he have a reduced amount of time in the episode? Yes, or? in the episode mm-hmm. prior, they figured out a storyline to sort of. 
give him a lighter workload that they could film quick so that he could do... Mm-hmm. When you're directing an episode of TV, the week before, you have to go out and you have to scout. You have to figure out what location you're going to shoot at, how much it's going to... You know, you start working out the budget and all this other stuff. A lot of questions fall into your lap. And, you know, you have to make sure the writers give you time to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Jeff Easton, in our, in our magazine, he was talking about this upcoming uh, six-episode arc that we have coming up, and he mentions in the cliffhanger that it ends with just one shot on Neil's face, and it holds for close to a minute, and it's pretty awesome, his words. Um, can't wait to see it, and I know it's <laughs> got to be an incredible situation they put you in, but yeah. when he talks about a shot that holds on you for like a minute, what is that like to have to convey whatever it is? We, we don't want to go into what it is you have to convey in that moment. But yeah. what kind of a challenge is that to be, to be in that kind of a close-up or whatever they have you in in that moment? Uh, you know, I thought it was so fun and exciting, and, and I, I was so grateful for the opportunity to even attempt something like that. I haven't seen it. I have no idea what it looks like. But um, uh, he just mentioned it to me, and at that point, we'd been in the saddle for so long. I mean, we were at the end of six months of shooting, and it was one of the last shots we did, and... Um, it was in a scene with actors that I'm very comfortable working with. And, and so it was fun to just sort of get to, um, you know, that's one of the great things about, about this job is just getting so much time to develop your craft in front of the camera. And it was just something, a new place that we had to try to dig, dig deep and figure out. And I hope that everybody likes it. Well, you know, you had, you had paid your dues for sure before this show came along. You'd been in the daytime soaps. You'd had recurring roles on shows. You'd had one series, Traveler, which I thought sounded really interesting. And yeah. it was like here and gone in the summer. I, yeah. didn't even, I don't think I got to see more than two episodes or oh, so, wow. some of it. And I kept thinking, you know, when, but when this show came along, did you think this was going to be the game changer? I mean, you know, there, there are times when you read a script and you just, you just <clears throat> so tune into a character and you know, man, this is mine to lose. Like, I, I get this guy inside and out. I understand the writer's voice. And, and for me, at that point, I'd been around TV long enough. I'd done a ton of pilots. I'd done series. I'd done recurring parts. It was important to find a role that the writer and creator was emotionally invested in, um, as well as an intelligent writer and, and somebody who could write banter and stuff like that. But I could tell that it cost him something to create these characters. And to me, I thought, wow, well, th- that's the kind of writer I want to work with, and that's the kind of show I want to be on. And at a certain, I think I'd gotten to a point where I was just like, I'm going to do the best I can. That's what I'm in control of. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, we get picked up, and then hopefully people watch, and the dominoes keep falling. I'm going to ask one more question before we turn it over to Q&A. Oh, and my gosh, is, is it already Q&A? I think it is. Um, but now I'm nervous. <laughs> But we, we talked a little bit about dancing and dancing in this yeah. upcoming movie and all that. But we also uh, we got to see you sing for a minute with Diane yeah. Carroll uh, last uh, season, I do yeah. believe. And we also, those who watched the Kennedy Center Honors, got to see you doing a duet with Kelly O'Hara. Yeah. It was the Jerry Herman tribute during the yeah. Kennedy Center Honors. Um, so is there like an innate song and dance man like wanting to break out here? <laughs> um, I don't know about that. I, I, I definitely enjoy singing. Um, I would love to get to do another show. When I first got out of school, I did the very first production of a show called Spring Awakening. I don't know if you ever saw that or not, but um, at uh, Sundance Theater Lab, which is a really cool experience. And so that had kind of led me to other stuff. And then I got that show, Grey Gardens. And every time I would get one of these Broadway shows, I would end up getting a TV gig or a film Mm -hmm. gig that would sort of take me away from it. So, um, you know, ideally, if, if the time were right, I've been talking with Kristen Chenoweth about maybe doing something and... 
some other folks. But if the time were right and it was the right people and we'd have a good rehearsal period and I could get back into that vibe, it would be fun to do for sure. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I will stop hogging uh, the spotlight here and I'm going to turn it I'd over to like the I'd just like to say, really, before he turns it over, thank you very much to Matt Roush. He's a very busy man at TV Guide. He's a very, very important individual in the business, and for him to take in this time out here tonight oh, well, to question me was a big it deal. It is my so. pleasure. It is my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I so love who's you. got a question? <laughs> so, uh, let's see. I, you're supposed to wait for the mic, I do believe. Who's, I don't know who's... All right, right in the front one? row. Okay. So one of the things I like so much about White Collar is the characters are just really well-developed. You've, you feel for you know, everyone's interactions with each other. Um, and especially Peter and Neil. Is, has there ever been like a moment like you've read a script and you've been like, I can't believe Neil's about to disappoint Peter like this? Like, you know, you're like, I really don't want to do it, but obviously you said you, you, you trust uh, Jeff, so you're like, go for it. But like, have you ever just had like that moment of, but I don't want to? <laughs> Whenever I feel like you know the ensemble is is lagging or you know needing some love, we just all get together and we play a game of spin the bottle. We don't French. It's just only pecs. But no, I, yeah, definitely. I, uh, does that answer your question? All right, good. I, uh, <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I definitely have. I mean, there were a lot of times this season. I think poor Jeff Easton, I called him a few times. I was like, dude, what are you doing? What? And every time he said, just, just bear with me, bear with me. It's going to have payoff. We're looking out for you. I'd be like, you better be. Don't be breaking up my bromances. <laughs> Shit ain't right. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there are things... But I think that's what makes Jeff Easton uh, an interesting writer, is that he's not afraid to strike kind of a dissonant chord. Um, and I think it'd be very easy for a show to just get into a very safe zone of, oh, yeah, we know what's going to happen this week, and we know they're going to do this, and then they'll have this witty banter here, and their relationship will be fine, and they'll get together. And, you know, so I think he's what I like about him and respect about him is he's not afraid to go against the grain sometimes and keep the audience on their toes, because those are the ty- kinds of TV shows that I like to watch, like you know, Breaking Bad and shows like that where I don't know what's going to happen or who's going to die or get killed or any episode. So... Um, I just sort of have to just trust him and trust that he has a master plan. Thanks. <laughs> Next question, right in the second row. Hi. Oh, hi. So I'm just from Boston, but um, I'm really active on Twitter yeah. with the White Collar fandom as well as Matt Bomer fandom, if that mm-hmm. sounds a little weird to you. Thank you. Um, and um, so there's a lot of international fans. And oh, wow. So I posed a little contest so to speak to um since none of them could come to have one of them i would ask one of their questions we would vote great okay so here's the question and it's on behalf of all the international fans who can't really get to see you ever oh so it was the question that was most popularly voted yeah gotcha okay so it's from uh nastia in slovenia awesome yeah (laughs) and she's a huge fan just so you know thank you nastia um and um the question is um, if you could travel around the world to um, any countries, or if you had the opportunity to film a movie in another country, where would you go? Mm. As well as, and I'm adding this part, Jeff has hinted that the season premiere for season four might be in another country, and I was mm-hmm. wondering if you could update us on that. 
Um, okay, part one. If we could, man, if I could travel anywhere, I think I'd really want to spend some time in Paris. I'm actually, unfortunately, really provincial. I just got to Italy for the first time last year. I loved it. Had a blast there. Um, my best friend got married in Rome. Um, you're like, yeah, yeah, she knows. Awesome. <laughs> Do you want to answer? Um, no, it's a. Uh, <laughs> I definitely want to spend some time in Paris because everybody I know tells me it would be my favorite city and that I'd love it there. So I definitely want to spend some time there. But I, I want to travel everywhere, man. I want to see everything. I really want to go to Patagonia as well. I hear really, really amazing things about Patagonia. Uh, the second thing is, yes, we supposedly, theoretically, we are going to spend, start the next season in a different country. Um, I've heard a couple different things. Um, I hear tropical but tropical could also mean, uh, you know, just depending on budget, it could also mean like Staten Island winter for summer, <laughs> which means basically I'll be freezing my ass off in a swimsuit on Staten Island in March. Um, but hopefully, no, I, I, hopefully it will be. I, we've heard a couple of different locations. I don't know really what I'm allowed to say about them, but they are definitely Central America-ish. Puerto Rico! That is definitely one of the possibilities. You're on it. I love Puerto Rico. That is a country I have been to, and I loved it. Yes. Next question we have to the left, to the back. Hi, Matt. My name Hi. is Dina. You look a lot like my sister-in-law. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll take Crazy. that as a compliment. <laughs> it is. Um, we're towards the end of season three right now, and yeah. we don't know much about your family besides that, mm. you know, your father was a dirty cop. Are we yes. going to get to know more information about that? In yes. This end? Okay. Yes, we are. Uh, my understanding about the season four mythology, especially coming up, is that um, you'll definitely get a good deal more insight. It, it, you'll see as the, as the season goes on in the last couple episodes, you see... Uh, some of those questions start to get answered and brought up, and um, they're obviously being brought up because they're going to be answered in the next season. Hi. Yeah, how hi. Are you? How are you? I wanted to know when you will be resuming uh, filming in, uh, here in New York. Mid-March. Mid-March? Mid-March until end of August. Okay, and I do have a second question. I know you're going to be on Kelly tomorrow. Are you going to be doing other talk shows uh, this week while you're here? I will be on the Today Show on the Plaza with uh, those folks uh, early in the morning tomorrow. Will you do the fourth hour? So for those again? of you who wake up early and are responsible, you can catch me on the Today Show. And for those of you who sleep in a little bit, I'll be on Kelly. Yeah. All right. Second to the last question. Hi. So I know we've been talking about white collar a lot, but I... Oh, I'm over here. Hi. I'm waving. No, wait. Look oh, there you are. Hi. 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 How are you? How are you? Good to see <laughs> I'm you. I'm sure It happens. Hi. That's right. Um, so I've he been hearing lots of really great things about Magic Mike. Yeah. And like you said, it's a phenomenal cast and a lot of really hot guys. So, um, can you tell us something crazy that's happened on set? I mean, I'm sure it's been amazing <laughs> and really um, ridiculous. I had, uh, oh, I'm trying to think, of, there's so many crazy stories that happen on set. Normally I'm like, God, I can't think of anything. This is actually, there are too many that happened on set. Um, I will tell you that I had one number um, where I had to get, you know, pretty bump, bumpy and grindy with a very nice young lady. And um, she was really great. And I came up to her beforehand. I said, listen, I'm sorry if you feel this is disrespectful at all. But, you know, this is what I do as my profession here as a dancer. And uh, so I'm going to have to get a little bumpy and grindy. 
And she was so cool about it. And she was like, that's why I'm here. And not, not for me, but, you know, she signed up for this extra job because she thought it'd be fun. And I got a little bumpy and grindy. And, man, she just started licking me. And I don't know. I mean, Steven works pretty fast. So, like, we, we, it would be, like, two or three takes. And then we were moving on to the next setup. So, like, you can't break character. You got to go with it. I was like, I'm getting licked in front of a room full of strangers in a thong. Um, as your career has blossomed, you started doing a lot more humanitarian work, which I think yeah. is awesome. And yeah. you're about to get an award next month, actually, out in uh, California. Yeah, Palm Springs. So that's awesome. I want to congratulate you. you on that as well. But what is your favorite like, cause that you represent right now, since you're really getting to expand and see what's really going on in the world and the suffering? Mm. What makes you want to give back? Like, what's your favorite thing that wakes oh, you up? Man, there are so many. I, I love... Uh, there's one I've worked with for years, way before White Collar, called Art of Elysium. And we basically get to go into hospitals and work with kids and entertain them and take their mind off whatever they're going through and do art projects with them. We sing with them. We entertain them. We do improv exercises with them. Sometimes we'll just sit in the waiting room. I, I particularly used to, used to do a lot more. I do sometimes now work more with uh, kids who uh, were burn victims who were waiting to get a new procedure or just come out of one and we just chill and hang out do art projects but they were so inspirational because they were brave and really brave amazing kids and I'm, I think you know real change begins with the younger generation the kids Those you come into this world an open honest loving uh, brave person and uh, we have a responsibility to make sure people of uh, all races, classes, orientations are treated with dignity and respect and learn to do so to each other as well. Thanks for that question and thanks for all your questions. Thanks for your attention and thank, thank you, you so to Matt much. Baumer I love you for being guys. here. Thank you so much for watching the show. We could not do it without you. I know it, this was not convenient. Who came in from Boston? Love you. Love you all. Thank you so much for watching. God bless all of you. Where are you from? Oh my Lord. Come get a picture with me. Get up here. Nice. Come on. Guys, join me again in thanking Matt Bomer. Thank you so much, everybody. God bless you all. Absolutely. And Matt Rouse from TV Guide for being here tonight. And we hope to see you next time. Take care now.